you having fun just staring from across the room you've got to stretch your stuff and i'll show you just what to do now you gotta dance gotta make your advance you gotta show you've got the guts i gotta move that'll make them swoop and it's called the two-step strut now dance with me come on take down your fish and pole to meet me at the fishing hole we may not Get a bite all day, but don't you rush away. I miss Mayberry, sitting on a porch drinking ice cold cheer coke. Where everything is black and white. Na na, na na, na 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 na. What a great place to rest your bones and mighty fine for skipping stones. You'll feel fresh as lemonade, a setting in the shade. But Whether it's hot, whether it's cool, oh what a spot. For whistling like a fool. Picking on my six string. People pass by and you call them by the first name. <laughs> Watching the clouds roll by. Bye bye. We'll have no need to call the roll. When we get to the fishing hole, there'll be you, me, and old dog Trey to do the time away. If we don't hook a perch or bass, we'll cool our toes in dewy grass or else pull up a weed to chaw and maybe set and jaw do 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 hanging around taking our ease watching that hound but scratching at his fleas my my song's done oh <laughs> i'll take down fish and pole and meet me at the fishing hole we may not get a bite all day but don't you rush away anyway that's the entire introduction madison jones are you in good form I am in very good form. I'm uh, I got my little country twang uh, yeah, breaking out in the in the beginning of this episode. Um, the, uh, this week of watching uh, all my homework for this <laughs> this episode kind of brought it out of me. We will um, by now, as you're listening to this, have listed the suggested viewing that I sent Madison for all of you as well. Um, I think at this point we should also say, needless to say, spoilers for. <laughs> At least Supernatural. I don't think you really need to say spoilers for the Andy Griffith show. <laughs> um, but there will be some, some light Supernatural spoilers throughout this. But we will have put up that list on our Instagram um, and probably shared on Twitter at least. Uh, so that you can all be just as prepared as Madison is, if not more so. There's like three people I know who are going to fucking love this episode because this cross-sex interests of theirs very neatly. I think this is the side of our catalog that is more like the Rocky Horror Truman Show, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, and the problem for me is that they reference the Andy Griffith Show in Supernatural a few times. Oh, they do? Yeah. I mean, oh, I did not it's a that. show in which they regularly um, run into law enforcement, sometimes mm. in small towns. And so the easiest joke is to refer to the local law enforcement as Andy Griffith. Or something like that, like derogatorily. So I Googled it just to see, and there's at least like five episodes of Supernatural where they reference the Andy Griffith show. I will say, Frequel's listening, when I made this challenge, I did not realize how possibly easy it actually is because, to my surprise, after watching the homework, there is some supernatural elements to the Andy Griffith show mm -hmm. and the Return to Mayberry movie mm -hmm. with monsters and like magic See, and superstition. And I thought that you knew at least about the movie because when you challenged me and said supernatural element, I thought, oh, okay, like, in fact, this time it isn't just like a guy in a costume or whatever. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like the Scooby-Doo level. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, for the listeners, again, we put out the list. So um, specifically the Darling episodes that we used, mm -hmm. um, A Wife for Opie 
and Divorce Mountain style. Let me think of Gangnam style for a minute. Divorce Mountain style. Hey. Hey, Barney Five. <laughs> nip, 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 oh. nip. <laughs> um. <laughs> Someone, we got to make that now. Oh, we, no. we birthed that into existence. There that is needs to the, be the best video I've out. ever seen for something like that was there's a, a bit in one of the episodes where Barney is standing on one of the beds in the jail, like in the cells, and he's putting something up or whatever, and he gets startled, and he does this little like three step shuffle where he like kind of like stumbles and steps off the bed, and somebody kept just looping that backwards and forwards to Single Ladies by Beyonce, and it okay. was fucking amazing. <laughs> I'll see if I can dig it up, and if I can, we'll put it in the show notes. But I, yeah. I've had trouble finding it again since then. Um, but yeah, so um, that plus supernatural. Actually, I'll tell you what: this pitch has is better than it has any right to be, and it's still extremely fucking stupid. So I'm excited to get to that. But first, let's talk about Return to Mayberry. Uh, this is the first time yeah. you'd ever watched it. We've talked before about some other projects that are here in the oven, still cooking away, but. Um, did you watch a lot of the Andy Griffith show as a kid, as a teen? Random episodes. Gotcha. I only have, uh, up until this past week, I only had like some in like my, like I could bring up in my memory. Sure. Um, I think maybe we talked about it at the end of last week's episode, but like the one where Andy, or sorry, the one where Opie interacts with like the um, the drifter man. Um, mm-hmm. And it's kind of like a lesson about like trusting strangers and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, to an extent, but also... Oh, he just kind of teaches Opie bad lessons about, like, yeah, how to put a gumball out of a gumball machine without paying for it or, like, stealing pies off windows or whatever. It's not great. It's the most perfect day to start any job tomorrow. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it is one that a lot of people uh, reference. I know we talked about this. It might have been after the recording. Um, well, I, <laughs> I grew up a lot with TV Land being kind of the thing that we watched as a family because, I mean... The old sitcoms, by and large, were family-friendly, so it was an easy thing. Mm-hmm. That, like Our parents, like my sister and I, kind of enjoyed watching them as well, so it was a pretty easy thing to navigate. Like, the Andy Griffith show isn't going to, like, all of a sudden, Helen's not going to come out with her tits out or something like that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Andy's not going to say fuck or whatever. Like, they don't have to worry about what well, is acceptable. fucking tarnation. <laughs> Barney, if you tell everybody we're getting married, I'm gonna fucking kill you, you piece of shit. That episode was way better than I thought it was going to be. Uh, the one with Isvan Teleki, Three Wishes yeah, for Opie. Yeah, yeah. So we watched this a lot growing up. So like, I have deep knowledge. I was texting my dad while working on this pitch, asking, I was like, I can't remember the name of it. Like, what was the what was this called? And we were like referencing episodes about where it might have been. Like, so I I was the right person to bring this to. Yeah. I will say, as far as my watch experience, like when I was younger, mm-hmm. um, I don't think I had seen any of the episodes with the Darlings, mm. which probably like my new favorite part of that show. Oh, yeah, they're amazing. The Darlings are like the best ones. Mainly because of the musical numbers that had me floored mm-hmm. every single one. Um, the one in Return to Mayberry is kind of bad, or it's not not as good as the ones in the show. But the one in the, the one where they're trying to engage Opie to uh, their daughter. So is it Dooley or There is a Time? Is it the sad, the sad one? It's the sad there one. There is a time that Charlene sings. Yeah. Well, what would uh, you all like to play? We heard a new one. It's called Wet Shoes in the Sunset. Hmm. That's too slow, Paul. Well, uh, how about uh, Tosak Fool Love? You know, I haven't heard Charlene sing in a long time. Well, sing that love song that I like so well. Oh, that makes you cry, Paul. 
Well, I'll find it. <laughs> there is a time for love and laughter. The days will pass like summer storms. The winter wind will follow after. But there is love and love is warm. There is a time for us to wonder. When time is young and so are we. The woods are greener over yonder. The path is new. The world is free. There is a time when we... I, um... After the episode was done, I just went and watched that scene again. Oh, yeah. It's, um, it's such it's, a beautiful it, song. Yeah. And um, she's a good singer. I was upset that she didn't sing in the um, in the, in the movie. Um, I know that um, the boys, the one, the, the slack-jawed darling boys that don't talk, mm-hmm. they're the Dillards. They're an actual, like, bluegrass folk band, like, fairly successful and popular uh, band. And so they're, that's why the musical numbers are like that. And that's why... Um, uh denver pile i believe who's um plays briscoe the dad is on a jug a jug like he's blowing on a jug that's his thing uh yeah because they can fake that pretty easily um but i think that's why return to mayberry the music number wasn't as good was because they're like old now yeah yeah for sure uh i will say darlings do to some extent make an appearance in my pitch i mean i gave those episodes to you for a reason yeah Uh, for sure so I make. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, how could you so, not at least have them included somewhat in a supernatural element? Before we get to the one tomato I was able to pick from the fallow fields of Mayberry's tomato farm, what do you think is going to happen in my pitch? Because you texted me having watched the episodes or some of the episodes that uh, you started. You thought you had an idea or you were getting an idea after watching the movie because mm-hmm. like they have like very supernatural mm-hmm. like um, they're very superstitious. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like sort of mountain magic going on um, or ideas like in one of the episodes, Charlene wants to marry Andy mm-hmm. and they set up Barney to ride by on a white horse because that's bad luck and it means andy's curse mm-hmm. that's how he gets out of it um the uh episode where opie is getting um engaged to they're trying to pledge the like 10 year old opie to their newborn daughter uh opie uses invisible ink to like fool them like it's it's that kind of superstition stuff so mm-hmm. i'm thinking it has something to do with the monster and it getting brought to life Okay. And re- the Return to Mayberry monster that is the facet of the main plot point in Return to Mayberry. Um, okay. That being brought to life or something like that. Okay. Well, we have that logged. We have that loaded. Uh, if you're wrong, you will be fired from this podcast. Okay. So cool. those are the rules. I already had my suitcase packed. Um, I'm ready to. <laughs> got your microphone in there. You got all your liquids. Uh, you got yeah. you yeah. got a book full of math facts. I can't take normal plane lines because they don't like my wet luggage. <laughs> Uh, okay. They won't allow it. <laughs> All right, so we only have one review here. We'll probably put some kind of either sped up theme song or a bridged theme song for the tomatoes. I, uh, I can I can send you the the sped up version. Well, we'll see. I have a couple ideas. The Andy Griffith. This comes from Reed R, who gave this movie two and a half stars. I never wanted to see Opie all grown up with a comb over and a porno mustache. Don Knotts was brilliance personified as Barney Fife, but this was some sad shit we got here. End of review. 
in my live tweet epi- of the movie, I said like this movie's subtitle could be the swan song of Barney Fife because it is so sad. Like, because in the show, especially in the episodes, you kind of see Barney's like incompetence, but he's like, ha- he. it's kind of like incompetence because he is so dutiful to the position that he's in, mm-hmm. right? But in the movie, it's kind of like, oh like he has lost it now he has lost it like it's kind of like he like a few a few marbles are loose up there now or something like when he there's that whole scene at the restaurant where he 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 lights the carpet on fire and everybody's looking like it's the saddest thing i've ever seen like i think barney has always been a sort of tragic character but i will say something that is very awkward um in the whole movie in general is that there's no laugh track that is um, one thing. so say what you want about like laugh tracks and shows and everything mm-hmm. but it is kind of like an indication to the audience of like this is a joke yeah <laughs> you know? like, like not like this is sad you pointed out in your um live blog the the bit where barney is gonna write off the dinner as like a business expense yeah uh and like that's not cool and that, that's not like they put a laugh track over that but it's that level of like there's some things that barney does says and does that without a laugh track it's just presented as like this is fine with a laugh track it's like he'll say some like backward shit and there'll be a laugh track and it's like oh okay like we're not supposed to sympathize with that but mm-hmm. without it it's like oh no that's probably fine like it is odd the show the movie lacks all of the charm of the show i enjoyed it because it really felt like andy and don knotts and annette corso who plays helen and betty lynn who's thelma lou and then like goober gomer howard all of the old cast that got back together otis who's now the ice cream man this was kind of just like hey remember how much fun we had doing that what if we like just made a movie that would be cool and they just had a blast making it clearly mm-hmm. was not good but like i kind of enjoyed it on the aspect of that like it was a bad movie <laughs> in a bad Andy Griffith movie see if this movie episode like this movie plot with like the monster in the lake and everything Mm -hmm. and um what's the uh manic hillbilly's name oh Uh, Ernest T. Bass it's me it's me it's Ernest T. Ernest T. Bass like it it seems like I think they did a good job of like picking a plot that would fit within the show's context like you know like that's that tonally like worked it was just very weird without it was weird as a movie. <laughs> exactly. And one thing, and I don't know if this is true. This is more like, this came out in 86, which is the year Matlock started. Uh, also okay. starring Andy Griffith. I'm wondering if, because I know in season one of the Andy Griffith show, he is, I mean, you've watched um, the, um, A Feud is a Feud. Yeah. With the Carters and the Wakefields. That's in season one. And he is ear to ear grinning. Oh, golly, I'm the sheriff and I'm loving this. And he's picking and grinning. And Andy Griffith hated that. So, like, that toned down a lot by, like, season two. He didn't want to be this, like, more of what we got in later seasons where he's still grinning and he's a, he's jovial. But he's not, like, this. the accent levels out a little bit. It's not quite as, mm-hmm. like, cartoonishly Southern. Yeah. I'm wondering if, because Matlock was a more serious thing and he was kind of trying not to backslide into the more cartoonish aspects of the Nick Griffith show that's why a lot of the charm was gone was because they were trying to yeah. make almost like a modern Andy Griffith with a plot from the show that they drug out for an extra 40 minutes. But I'm wondering if that's maybe why it's, there's not as much charm to it as Andy Griffith didn't really want to backslide into especially now that he'd reinvented himself as Matlock. He's a genuine, true jackass. Yeah, and I will say, like, the look on Andy Griffith's face throughout the movie, um, 
it's not like a face that like oh he didn't want to be there because he executive produced this mm-hmm. like i noticed like like i think he wanted this show it just he did look sad like he looked kind of like he kind of looked kind of like contemplative sad mm-hmm. like throughout the movie a lot like i said i enjoyed it on the one hand because i've spent like most of my life being a fan of the andy griffith show as a oh everybody got to have a nice day like a nice you know whatever month out filming this movie with their friends and like they got to get back together and, yeah revisit some of the old i mean there's a point where their idea of a reference is barney literally going hey remember the fun girls hey remember that person hey remember this which like okay fine but it was like that was a lot of people weren't alive anymore to do the movie Mm -hmm. it was shocking like i mean as many people as they got it was impressive but just a lot of people because a lot of the other cast were old people aunt b francis bavier was dead uh but they got a pretty good pretty good sound alike for her you know andy all I ever wanted was for you and Opie to be good citizens and to treat people right. No, not at all. It sounds It sounds like, I don't know. Like It's, it's bad. I mean, I don't know if this bad. made the recording. Maybe it was after we stopped and you and I were just talking about the movie. And I mentioned, I brought up, I mentioned how I had forgotten about the horrible voiceover from Ambicus Francis Bavier had died by that point. Mm-hmm. But like, it was so funny. And they did a lot of good like set scenes like it's like oh yeah that's the house oh that's Mm -hmm. the um sheriff's office so that wasn't the house though that's not the andy griffith show house oh it isn't no i I thought it looked like it no not it's i'm well i'm pretty sure it's not unless opie bought their old house but it i don't think it was it didn't look it almost looked like a cabin like they were he was staying in like a cabin out in the woods or whatever yeah i kind of wish they had more moments in the sheriff's office Mm -hmm. like just as far because it's like where a lot of the show happens the Mm -hmm. show happened you know like i understand like mayberry as a town is like the more of the character Mm -hmm. but yeah i i kind of wish uh they did a few more scenes in there but I, I did generally enjoy it. Um, it was a good time. It was just very unsettling without the laugh track. <laughs> yeah, and just kind of like, to me, disappointing as an adult coming back to it of like, has this doesn't have the chart. This isn't what I wanted. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. it's like when Monty Python did their last like live special, One Down, Four to Go or something like that. And it was really just like a bunch of old guys coming out and rehashing the old sketches, but not as well because they're old and they've forgotten it and clearly didn't like rehearse it like they should have. Um, and just kind of relied on, haha, remember this? Oops, we slipped up. And then they'll like mug at the camera because they got it wrong or whatever, which like is fine. And it wasn't terrible, but it was just kind of like, you might as well have just made a best of again, like with the actual footage of the old sketches, because if you're not going to put, if you're not going to like try to match the tone or whatever, what's the fucking point? Much like how this movie lacks the charm or of the previous show, this introduction lacks the charm of previous episodes. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think we could talk about this. I know I know you could probably talk about this like for a long time. I, I could talk about it for a long time, too, um, just because it's Andy Griffith show is good. Yeah. <laughs> like, it has its problems. Uh, we should we should talk yeah. briefly. Like I know that there are a number of episodes early on. It does a good job. There's an episode where uh, Andy's girlfriend wants to run for the city council. And he kind of blows it off. It's like, oh, we've never had a woman on the council. Not like you can't do it, but it's like it's never been done. And she's like, well, mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. It's like, oh, I just don't think that's a good idea. Ball. And it becomes an, a fun episode of a battle of the sexes. Um, but at one point near the end, she basically throws in the towel because it's tearing the city apart. And then Opie goes on this enormous, like, we did it, Paul. We taught the women. And that's when Andy realizes, like, oh, I see what I've done. And, like, oh, weird. And then supports her for city council. I'm making it sound probably darker than it is, but 
there are there's still some stuff like that. That episode is attempting to be like, hey, that's fucked up. The don't be like that. Later on, mm. there are some episodes where it's kind of like, oh, women, and not as great. There's also barely any black people in this town in North Carolina. Yeah. Um, some do show up eventually because people started to write in to be like, hey, why aren't there any black people in the South? Yeah. Um, but they mostly showed up as extras. I'm not sure really any black people got like a leading role. But like screen time and stuff. I'm yeah. sure there are a few. There's a point where the show goes from black and white to color and the quality of the show drops drastically. And that's where I usually stop watching when I do like watch episodes. Um, so I, there's, I have a blind spot in my knowledge base there, but, um, so like I said, it's not perfect. There are definitely still problems in the Andy Griffith show, but by and large, I think a lot of the jokes hold up. I think a lot of the episodes, surprisingly, the message is like, oh, I really would have expected a show from 1950 set in the South to go a very different way with that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, there's an enchanting thing about these, like, very small town kind of, like, back hill, like, problems Mm -hmm. for a small town. Like, and there's that whole episode um, with uh, the FBI, the fake FBI agents and stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. and Andy says, like, they, they, they want to give him an award for having the safest town in the U.S. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he says, like, when he's in the barbershop, it's like, it's really not me. It's just the people of the town. Yeah. They aren't doing they crime. Aren't, they aren't doing crime. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, um, but yeah, that's so. why I think, like, Mayberry as a character like, is a character within mm-hmm. both the movie and the show. Absolutely. Like, uh, and it's one of those things that I like that. There are like the the premise that I like to go with for something like that is that Mayberry would burn down and they would kill each other if Andy left for more than a week. Like, yeah, that town would explode if they didn't have mm-hmm. Andy there to sort of like trick them into not doing bad, like like wild stuff like that while also like making them think it's their idea. Yeah. And so I don't know. Like, I just uh, Mayberry is a, a character. And that's one thing that I kind of tried to get at here a little bit, maybe. Uh, but um, we'll see. Speaking of what I tried to get to here, should we go ahead and begin? Hold on, Mike. Before you open that document and start reading, it's time to play everyone's new one-episode game show, Not or Nots. So, on this hit hit game show, um, uh, just just for you, Mike, I made this special um, <laughs> this special <laughs> uh, trivia competition okay. uh, where you're competing with yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, in your knowledge of uh, the character of Barney Five, okay. Um, so I'm going to read some quotes. Um, uh, some some were things that Barney said. Some were some were the character of Castile from Supernatural. And you have to <laughs> okay. guess okay. who uh, said it. Was it not or not? Let me um, tell you what. I'm going to take off my glasses. I'm going to close my okay. eyes so Madison can verify I'm not cheating. Uh, uh, Mike is not cheating. Um, and is wincing. Um, oh, and it looks like he's in. It looks like he's in pain. Oh my god! I think he has to. I think he has to wear the glasses. Everybody, <laughs> it burns us. It burns <laughs> us. <laughs> all right. First quote. All I'm saying is that there are some things beyond the uh, can of mortal man. Let me finish the quote. No. Yes. All I'm saying is that there are some things Barney beyond five. the can of mortal man that shouldn't be tampered with. We don't know everything. There is plenty going on right now that we don't uh, know anything about. And I think we ought to stay clear. Your answer? Not or nots. Nots. 
It is not. It is Barney Fife. Is that from the episode Three Wishes for Opie? I do not know. Okay, fair enough. All right. Quote number two. Uh-huh. Now I realize there is no righteous path. It is just people trying to do their best in the world where it's far too easy to do your worst. <laughs> not. Is that your final answer? Yes. It is not. That was said by Castile yeah. in some episode in Supernatural that I didn't bother to look up. All right. You're two for three. Last one. I enjoy the taste of peanut butter and jelly, particularly the peanut butter with grape jelly. Not jam, though. Jam, I find unsettling. Mm. Not or nots. Not. Final answer. Mike, no, you are three for three. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, queen sweep right there. Queen sweep of not or nots. You are the reigning champion of this wonderful game show that I made. Queen sweep was the uh, that new Netflix show, right? About chess? Yeah, okay. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, now that my credentials have been verified. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I wouldn't let you continue the pitch unless you got, if you did a queen sweep. Like, I, I don't trust your knowledge. If absolutely. You I, do, I haven't also proved it throughout the entire opening of this episode. Yeah. Um, all right. So we will begin now. With my pitch, return to Mayberry, colon, saving people, hunting things. <laughs> okay. Which is a famous line from Supernatural. You know, saving people, hunting things, the family business. We open on the fishing hole. Barney and Andy are just relaxing there, fishing lines in the water. Barney has his hat pulled down, shading his eyes while he dozes. He tips the cat back. Hey, Ange? Yeah? You remember that Malcolm Merriweather fella? Yeah, I remember Malcolm. Whatever happened to him? Went back to England, I guess. Oh, yeah. Huh. And Barney goes back to sleep. We have a couple more bits like this where Barney asks about beloved recurring characters like Rafe Hollister or Ben Walker or the Scobies. And we can count those as cameos because the first movie seemed to as well. There's the sound of a car coming down the road behind them and they both turn to watch it roll to a stop. It's a fairly modern, if not sleek, new vehicle. The doors open and sheriffs Jody Mills and Donna Hanscom get out of the car. Barney smarts up as pretty women are suddenly on the scene, as though he's clearly not old enough to be their father. They introduce themselves to FBI agents and offer them their card. They heard Mayberry may they've heard Mayberry's been having problems with mysterious cattle disappearances. Andy and Barney rightfully think it's a bit much to involve the FBI and cattle thieving. Jody adds that they've also heard some stories about ghosts in the area. Uh, they thought they'd take a look. Unofficial, of course, not step on any toes. And he gives them, oh, the only hauntings we have here are usually moonshiners in the old Rimshaw place putting on a show. Andy and Barney can take them there if they want, though you're more likely to bust a still than a ghost. <laughs> Jody and Donna give that fake laugh like they're indulging Andy and Barney. Andy sobers. Sorry, agents, I was just picking at you a little. Together they head to town in the ladies' car as Andy and Barney were given a lift. This is a crucial plot point, which is why I took the time to explain why they took the same car. Sure, On their way to sure. the car, we see Donna's armed, but Jody is not. Barney asks if she carries a gun, and she says, only when hunting. You do a lot of hunting? And she, with a slightly ironic smile, says, from time to time. <laughs> they drive away, and Goober emerges from the tree line, tucking his shirt back into his pants. And they shoot him. He looks around and throws his hands up and starts walking. Basically, a fun little, little goof that they left Goober behind. Got it, got it, got it. On the road, Barney is asking questions about the FBI and talking about his time as a detective in Raleigh. Uh, that's where he went when they when Don Knotts left the Andy Griffith show. Uh, they wrote him out as going to Raleigh to be a detective. Oh. He was not good at it. Apparently. Jody isn't paying attention and looks out the window. We see Tom Cavanaugh, who most people will know from Ed or as mm -hmm. uh, Ed Barthon or Harrison Wells or any of the various Wellses on the CW's The Flash. 
Uh, and yeah. Parker Posey, who most people will probably know from any Christopher Guest movie, generally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Clambering up a tree while also somehow fighting each other about who should be climbing the tree. We hear Andy from the back seat, and he says, bird eggs. Jody Snow's back to the car. They're looking for bird eggs. This happens every couple of months when the washes kick the Bass twins out of the house. So these are the twin children of your favorite character. It's me, it's me, it's Ernest T. Ugh. Generally gave me the creeps, like, throughout the entire movie. He is very um, much, he is creeping. He's very beloved uh, in yeah. the show. Uh, what do they want with the bird eggs? Uh, well, they got their daddy's wiliness and charm, but none of his chicken-stealing skills. So basically, they can't steal cattle worth a damn. So uh, they basically have to forage for bird eggs if they want to eat. They can't even catch chicken, so they're catching... They're climbing up trees. Yeah, basically, they're climbing okay. trees to get bird eggs. They drive on, and soon we see a farmer running into the road to flag them down. It's a farmer Andy calls Tucker, and who's played by Paul Giamatti, because I just decided to cast this role, apparently. <laughs> he called the sheriff's station, and had been told they were out. He came out to feed his cattle and was down two cows. Andy and Barney ask about if he saw anyone around, if he noticed any tracks leading away. Is there anywhere in the area where someone could hide two cows? Tucker interrupts. They didn't steal two cows. They stole one cow. The other one's dead. Jody and Donna step in now and ask to see that cow. Mm. We cut to them over the body of the dead cow, a non-gory hole right through its chest. The heart has been yeah. ripped out. Yeah. Andy and Barney are talking with Tucker, and Jody and Donna are at the body. Donna asks Jody what she thinks. Could be vampire. Could be some kind of chupacabra. Too many things eat hearts, to be sure. Good news is all of them hate silver. She coughs and changes the topic as Barney approaches. Barney starts explaining what probably happened, and it's all bullshit posturing. It's this thing Barney does in the show a lot where he'll something will happen, and somebody will like kind of know what's going on, and he'll start to talk over them in a very authoritative voice about nothing. And acting like he knows everything exactly. about what he, what's going on. Yeah. Jody agrees, and she says they should document the wound for a psychoanalysis of the cut patterns, something she has clearly just invented, but Barney eats up and eagerly agrees, suggesting he was just about to say the same thing. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Andy's still listening to Tucker's nervous spiel about cows and how there is livelihood. Clocks this. Uh, Jody and Donna move to follow a set of tracks. Donna starts taking pictures on her phone of the human feet. Suddenly, they start to encounter blood. And then the print size gets bigger and bigger until it's a full two shoe sizes bigger. Jody swipes a foot across the tracks, wiping them as Andy approaches. Donna also stows her phone. Tracks in here. Andy looks thoughtful. Jody offers, what if he climbed onto the back of the cow and rode it from here? That would explain the prints. Andy is impressed with this idea. Typically, he's the only one thinking outside the box. Barney mm-hmm. comes back with a ring he found in the cavity, like a like a, a for your finger, a ring for your finger. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, they'll take it into town and ask the jeweler to identify it. They pull up to the courthouse, and Donna checks her watch. It's almost noon. Uh, why doesn't she and Jody head to the diner and grab chow for everyone? And he says that's a fine idea. He'll head to the jewelers and. The- <laughs> Uh, I actually wrote out F-I-I-I-I-N-E in all that, caps. That's a fine idea. Uh, he'll head to the jewelers and they'll meet at the courthouse in an hour. They break and Barney is left standing there having not been given a job. He does that Don Knotts move of not knowing where to put his hands to appear nonchalant. And he ends up, in the full routine of this, patting his shirt pocket. He stops and pulls out the business card that they handed him at the beginning. Uh, Jody and Donna did. He nods and goes into the courthouse. Donna and Jody enter the diner and grab a back booth. They start comparing notes, and Jody pulls out her phone. She dials the num- a number, and Dean Winchester picks up. Dean can't believe they are where they say they are. Mayberry's a TV show. How does this town exist? Uh, <laughs> don't know, but it does. So the sheriff and Barney, the creepy deputy, is also here. They talk about it, 
uh, maybe the town is somehow a tulpa. According to Wikipedia, for those who don't know, tulpa is a concept in mysticism and the paranormal of a being or object which is created through spiritual or mental powers. Donna doesn't think so. The town seems legit. Somehow a wildly popular TV series was made that exactly mirrored the lives of this town and its people without them noticing. Tulpas are a fascinating thing that exists in this world or like uh, that people experience. There's a really good Reply All episode about tulpas in particular um, that I think we should link that in the show notes. Um, it is, it's it's fascinating. And originally, I had if this if this movie had been set in the fifties, I would have used a tulpa. But I don't think really mm-hmm. that many people are thinking about the Andy Griffith show with enough fervor in twenty twenty. <laughs> Uh, that it would make sense. Yeah. And I should say at this point, because it has occurred to me, Andy Griffith, Don Knotts, pretty much every character that I'm going to reference in this has died. This is modern day. Okay. So we are going to we are going to use holograms. Sure. Um, sure. Yeah. But and that will come back possibly later. But I just want to clarify that this is modern day. And that's how we're getting around the fact that Andy Griffith, Don Knotts, uh, Jim Neighbors, who plays Gomer. Yeah. All of them have died. And canonically, we're going to get all of our uh, holograms from the same place that Kanye West got mm-hmm. uh, the hologram he just Yeah, uh, Kanye's going to hook us up for the Return Kanye. to Mayberry sequel. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, so somehow a wildly popular TV series was made that exactly mirrored the lives of this town and its people without them noticing. Another one of Dean's phones rings and he looks down at it and says, speaking of Deputy Fife, before he goes, he suggests a shapeshifter might be what they're looking for. They typically eat people, but a rural community like that, they may eat cows so that they can hide their kills and the normal amount of chicken thieving that goes on or cattle thieving, etc. So Jody starts to ask a question. We're still working on the other thing. We'll be in touch. A sweaty and dog tired goober enters the diner for a glass of water. Because <laughs> he was walking back. Yeah, he from, walked all the way uh, from Myers Lake. Yeah, uh, we cut to just. But it's a hologram. It's a sweaty hologram. Yeah. We blew our budget on Goober's hologram sweat, uh, <laughs> so the rest of this looks pretty bad. It took six months to get the Goober <laughs> yeah. sweat just right. We cut to just Dean hanging up that call and taking Barney's. He does the classic supernatural bit of pretending to be Jody and Donna's FBI supervisor. This is a thing they do regularly, especially early on, where there's like one guy who, um, whenever they're out in the field and they pretend to be like a secret a- or a federal agent, so it's like, I'll just call your supervisor. It's actually Bobby's phone, and he just like yells at the person until they like shut up, and then that's kind of how we get around that it's fake credentials. At one point, he gets too into it and starts shouting at Barney. He throws out some weirdly specific information about how Barney was regularly two-timing Thelma Lou in the show with Juanita from the diner. Mm-hmm. And when Barney asks how he knows that, Dean says, they're the FBI. They know everything. Can there be a moment right there where uh, Dean starts singing the song, the Juanita song? <laughs> I, I... Maybe, yeah. I think it is like in a creepy way where Barney's like, well, how would you? Nita, Juanita. Juanita. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. Jody and Don are his best agents, and Mayberry is lucky to have them. I wish I had more like them. He hangs up, and we see Barney now sitting alone in the courthouse. He stares into the middle distance for a moment, then his eyes light up. Wish! He scurries into the back room. Andy comes out of the jewelers with a small sheet of paper in his hand, consulting it. He looks up as Jody and Donna approach with bags of food. They enter the courthouse, and we, from outside, can hear the classic Andy shout of Barney! <laughs> Cut to inside, and Barney is caught red-handed at the sheriff's desk with the Istvan Telecki cards and a lamp. All the talk of ghosts and the supernatural reminded him he still had this, and Andy has got to admit that all of Opie's wishes came true. Kind of defeated, he says, well, what did Barney wish for? And Barney had wished for help solving the case. When they turn around, there are three cards out on the desk. We go through the mandatory, who did that? Not me. Well, it must have been somebody, hmm. etc. scene. 
Uh, and Barney turns him over. He consults the book. The first card signifies a man of many coats. Donna and Jody exchange a glance. The second signifies death and the last rebirth. And he rolls his eyes. So we're looking for a man in a lot of coats who's going to die and come back. Let's put this away and do some real police work. He puts the ring down on the desk. In the dark, the script on its edge glows, revealing the dark tongue of Kaza Doom. One ring to rule. No. No, sorry. It sits on the desk while Andy says it was paid for by one Ernest T. Bass on the occasion of his daughter, Virginia uh, T. Bass's uh, 15th birthday. Ernest T. bought his daughter a ring. Jewish says he did it at the end of a shotgun barrel, and Virginia was the one holding it. <laughs> Jody asks if the plan is to check every tree in a 100-mile radius, or should they just look for a trail of depressed mother birds? Andy says he knows where they'll be. They may be on the outs with their step family, but the washes don't turn anybody away from their annual wash family hoot nanny. <laughs> it's tonight. In the meantime, the hotel is just across the street there a bit, and the rooms are nice if they need somewhere to put their things and freshen up. The first time I wrote this draft, I didn't put in the if they need somewhere to for, put their things and freshen up. So it really sounded like Andy was just suggesting they all go over to the hotel for a while. <laughs> yeah. Uh here we have a vague scene where characters talk about themselves to each other. And I put a question mark at the end of that sentence. Uh, Donna and Jody okay. are unpacking. Basically, I just need a scene here kind of uh, uh, ostensibly off the clock where they're not talking about the case where they can just like be people for a minute yeah. and like bond. Uh, Donna and Jody are unpacking and slip on a silver ring on their right hands. Each of them put on a silver ring basically on their right hand to prepare uh, when there's a knock at the door. It's Andy and Barney checking on them. This scene is sort of off the clock, so looser. And Jody and Andy talk about family. Barney sees the array of weaponry that Donna's brought, and they talk about that. He tickets a car, and a big, like, literally later they're walking, and he tickets a car. And a big, hulking, strong man comes out, and it looks to be itching for a fight. Donna steps to him as Barney wavers and stares him down. He pays the ticket. Um, I have an idea here where uh, Andy, if Jody asks Jody if she has kids, she mentions the Wayward Sisters. Um, at some point in the show, Jody basically ends up adopting three, like, teens who have some connection oh, okay. to like the supernatural world through various means uh one of them is castiel's daughter or the guy who castiel is inhabiting his daughter one of them's an mm. ex like vampire one of them's like a psychic whose family is killed whatever. like she they called it wayward sister it's gonna be a backdoor pilot of her and donna and these three girls like also fighting the supernatural but it didn't get picked up unfortunately uh, okay. it would have been Rad as hell. That sounds badass. So that's who the Wayward Sisters are. Andy mentions Opie and how they don't talk much anymore. Something happened with his wife. Every time Andy tries to call, she tells him not to call anymore and hangs up and sounds very angry. Oh. Um, it is modern day, right? Yes. Like, yeah. Uh, Otis pulls up in his ice cream truck, introduces her, and she waves. And he tells her that Otis is one of the oldest residents in Mayberry. There's only a handful of them left from the old days. Uh, Jody says it's amazing how many of them are left after all these long years. She buys Andy some ice cream, and it's nice. She asks Andy if he's got plans to retire, take some rest, and let somebody else take over. He doesn't answer. Otis is having trouble with his car or some other excuse for Jody to be alone long enough to pull out her phone. A text from Dean saying that they're on their way. Uh, she gives Otis and Andy a wave and heads off. Hey, Madison, I have a question for yep. you quickly. Which of our yep. films do you think Extraction, Compression, and Puppetry, colon, Ragnarok is? Extraction and... Extraction, <laughs> okay. Compression, and Puppetry, colon, Ragnarok. Did we have a Ragnarok? We did. Did we have a sub? Mm -hmm. We did. We did. I, I, I'm not going to look at the list because I have to remember. Turns out Ragnarok is one of those words that doesn't really translate. <laughs> Surprising. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. What was it? I keep wanting. I want to say Howard the Duck, Love and Thunder, but that's not it. Right. No, Ragnarok is in the title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can give you a hint if you want. Yes, please. This was a guest episode. It was a guest episode. 
Oh, um, it's um, Snap, Crackle, Pop. Snap, Crackle, Pop, Ragnarok with special guest Maya Franklin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. We cut to the Wash Annual Hoop Nanny is in full swing. Uh, this is about the point where my in writing my long-form outline into a pitch, I was like, oh, I've been doing this for a long time, and I'm like two paragraphs of my outline in. So it's going to mm-hmm. get a little looser here as I describe it because I just was like, no, fuck this. I'll just like beef up the outline and read that. So, uh, will you say the catchphrase though? This is when my notes run out. Or? Oh, sure. I mean, that's this is where my notes run out. I mean, that's not true. That's. I mean, we're gonna when we eventually merchandise. That's gonna be on oh, one of our t-shirts. Exactly, one hundred percent. That's a catchphrase. It's just not true for this because I have all my notes because I'm a professional. Uh huh. So, um, <laughs> we're at the watch. This very professional manuscript of the, the yeah. supernatural <laughs> anti-gravity crossover. <laughs> Having just referenced our movie, Snap, Crackle, Pop, Ragnarok. Start the watch annual hoot nanny. It's in full swing. Um, we have the Dillards back. The, the surviving Dillards are here picking and singing. Uh, the actress who plays mm-hmm. Charlene Darling is still alive, so she's presumably here as well. If we can get her, but the real matriarch of the Wash family at this point is Andaline Wash, the daughter of um, Charlene and Dud Wash, who they tried to Got pledge it. to Opie as Got a young it. as a little boy. As they come in, where we hear the song "Old Home Place" by the Dillards, we'll link to that song. The YouTube. Uh, video of that song in the show notes There's also some new, like, Dillard boys. Like, there's basically, I picked the band um, Avicii, hmm. and they're in this as well. They're picking and singing. They they play, like, the basically the next generation of the Dar- of the Darlin' boys. Uh, so they're playing Old Home Place. That's a Dillard song. We do see that the Basses are there, and Andalina is not happy about that. So they go in, and they try to okay. um, basically talk to Andalina, but she is more like as the matriarch she's kind of got her own almost like vip section which sounds very elaborate for the washes but it's kind of more of like hillbilly vip the the sheriff and these two agents from out of town are not allowed anywhere near her um i think at this point the jody and or donna reference some kind of like kanaba which is the deity or spirit that the charlene uh invoked for the divorce and so they kind of get behind the to keep that parallel going, they get behind the velvet rope uh, to talk to her about that. And I think Andy and Barney are kind of left out there in the cold. Um, so they confront her with the ring that was Virginia T. Bass's. Uh, she confronts the Bass twins. I should say Tom Cavanaugh's character is named Jefferson T. Bass. Ernest T. Bass gave both of his children the middle okay. initial T as well. So it's Jefferson T. Bass and Virginia T. Bass. Got it. And I confronts the Bass's about this clue. They come clean, and Jefferson says, "Dern foolish thing I ever saw putting your hand in a dead cow like that." And Virginia says that she wanted to see what the ice cream man had done to it. Oh my God, what's happening? Jody is confused. It's Otis because I mean he's like this very nice, jovial, like little man in a bow tie. Did he make a devil pack to get sober? Jesus, oh, no. why didn't I think of that? I mean, yes, that's wait, what <laughs> shit? Uh, Jefferson says, "If it weren't him, it were somebody wearing him like a coat." Fight breaks out. Music doesn't uh-huh. stop, and it's a banjo pick and remake of Hey Brother by Avicii. Hey, brother, there's an endless road to rediscover. 
maybe a little faster with some banjo mix in there but i just like that song a lot sure. and it felt like a good kind of updated picking song in quotes yeah um for sure. so this fight's going on barney is useless and andy is trying his tried and true thing of being in the middle of a brawl going wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute and nobody's listening to him jody jonah and donnie are just whooping wholesale ass in this bar fight basically also what they're doing though is at some point they're making sure that the silver is touching skin of everybody that they hit to test to see if it burns um as it would with a shapeshifter or any other creature that is averse mm-hmm. to silver. While this is going on, we get a scene where Virginia and Jefferson T. Bass both escape into the chaos, and Jefferson asks if Virginia got her ring back. She says yes, and he chides her for losing it in the cow. She knows that they need that ring for what's coming. She agrees, and they head into the night, leaping and giggling, just like their dearly departed nut of a father, Ernest T. Uh, we cut back to the courthouse later, and Jody and Donna are icing bruises while Andy's just fucking furious. Uh, Jody says that she was able to check the boots of everyone there because of the brawl's confusion and no one had feet small enough and he says could have been a woman donna says could have been but she checked the women's feet as well you sure do have a lot of women with big feet here sheriff andy relents they're so strong from kicking their husband's behinds out the door when they're drunk that's a good-hearted joke <laughs> uh do they have like cell phones so they andy and barney don't nobody here in Maybear that they've really encountered do we don't see a lot of cell phones um and earlier donna was hiding the fact that she had one okay is it sort of like um the star trek thing of like oh they haven't discovered warp yet we gotta hide our identity like sort that's of... a very interesting theory and it could be correct okay okay uh, just before jody can tell andy what the bass twins told her about otis howard enters and is introduced uh Jody and Donna offered him a handshake, and as he offers the opposite hand, it's a fun moment of Howard being an uncomfortable person socially. Howard's always just a little, like, he's a good guy, and it's not like people don't like him. He just is a little uncomfortable in social situations. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of a thing where they get off, and he's oh, oh, like, not sure which hand. So he offers, he ends up offering his left hand. Uh, there's been a call from Sarah. No, sorry, Carmen. A little fun update there. Now the operator's not Sarah anymore. It's Carmen. Got it. I just liked that name. Sarah, Sarah yeah. died. Sarah died tragically. Yeah, uh, we don't talk about that. Barney doesn't carry the one bullet Sarah anymore. Sarah was um, <laughs> one of the Aluma who were called back to heaven in Avengers. Got it. Sorry. So, Carmen, there was a new call came in about some more cattle rustle going missing and another cattle death while they were out at the whatever. So, Howard's delivering the message now. At the scene, uh, this time Jody doesn't have time to erase the tracks and everyone sees the footprints get bigger. And he falls back on the idea from a previous episode of the show where a guy stealing cows put shoes on them to make it look like it was three men and to hide the fact that the cow was walked off. Uh, so Andy falls back on, on cow boots idea, suggests something similar. Jody counters that the people tracks were the ones disappearing last time. Is he suggesting a thief lifted the cattle onto their back while wearing fake cow shoes? Andy is an Andy has an explanation now that sort of makes sense to him, so he kind of like grasps onto that. Um, go ahead. I I have a theory, okay. but um, um, I I might want to save it. Okay. I don't know. Um, um, it's just what I know about Ernest T. Bass, um, particularly mm-hmm. um, in his lore or whatever, and the things that he says. Uh, go ahead. 
I guess, I guess my, my theory is that the children carried the cow okay. because Ernest T. Bass like <laughs> used to brag that he could lift up a, lift up a whole like horse okay. or whatever. Um, so like I said, Andy, he has an explanation now that like sort of makes sense to him and is at least like logical. Like there, it's the Sherlock Holmes thing of once you eliminate the impossible, whatever's left, no matter how improbable must be true. And obviously it's not magic. So like somehow they mm-hmm. carried this cow basically is what it's, um, he also references the monster head from the first return to Mayberry film as the kind of links that some people will go to, to fake supernatural bullshit. Sure. Um, Goober pulls up. A call came into the station when he stopped by to see if the fellows wanted to join him for lunch. A whole mess of cows were just discovered in a glade outside the Washes place a few miles. Oh, hold on. Goober pulls up. A call came into the station when they stopped to see if the fellows. Goober pulls. No, okay. Goober pulls up and a, a call came. <laughs> Goober pulls up. A call came into the station <laughs> when he stopped up. by to see if the fellows wanted to join him for lunch. A whole mess of cows were discovered a few miles outside of the wash place in a clearing. I really fucked up the, that sentence in the writing of it the first time, so it took me a minute to like say it coherently. <laughs> uh, thought he'd run out and give him a lift. Jody offers a hand, and he takes the opposite one, just like Howard did. Jody smells something funky and looks down. The hand she offered is the one wearing the silver ring. She flashes back to waving at Otis with the hand with the silver ring, Howard immediately avoiding that hand, and now Goober doing the same. She holds Goober's grip and pats his hand with her other one, the way some people do with handshakes sometimes, and he flinches just slightly as the silver ring singes. Jody lets him go and suggests the sheriff and Barney take the squad car to the clearing, and she and Donna will finish up here and get a ride back with Goober. Goober, who is now clearly the shapeshifter, can't find any reason that Andy will accept to weasel out of this one. Andy and Barney leave, and as Jody turns to talk to the farmer one last time, he points, Goober is tearing across the open field toward the tree line. Andy and Barney pull up to the clearing where the Bass twins are trying to corral two or three cows unsuccessfully. Barney, with his pistol drawn, does a really funny scene where he's chasing them around through the cows, always just out of reach. Andy gets a hold of Jefferson, and the chase ends. They won't say why they wanted the cows. Andy asks why they killed the ones that were left behind. Virginia reiterates about the ice cream man and that she told the lady sheriffs this already. When Andy expresses disbelief, they repeat the coat thing. They load the basses into the squad car, and Andy, with purpose, says he needs to get back to the station. In the tree line, Donna hands a pistol to Jody as they move through the woods, hunting the shifter. I think we can breeze through here with kind of describe. It's one of those like wood hunt, like hunting or chase scenes in the woods. Yeah. It's very kind of like atmospheric, where it's maybe a little dark, and they're like whipping around trees with a gun. You can't really tell where sounds are coming from. Um, yeah like the shot is like you see someone passing a bunch of trees but like the the cameras in like the brush like you can right. kind of like um, um maybe maybe like you get like a tracking shot of behind goober running exactly so we see like bits like that um the shifter sheds his goober skin goober skin is a teamed band name uh they eventually catch and kill the shifter and they burn the body make their way back to goober's car they talk about skipping town because there are going to be questions. Jody says, we can't, and you know why. The cars make it into town at the same time. Andy asks where Goober is, and Jody says he decided to stay at the farm and get a ride in with the farmer later. Uh, he wants Andy wants to know why they didn't tell him about the Otis slash Bass Twins thing. Jody was going to, but Howard interrupted. She tells him that their investigation is closed and they'll be leaving town soon. Andy is confused at this sudden and kind of brusque announcement. He has more questions, and she says, Sorry, Sheriff, classified. 
she and Donna go to the hotel and Andy and Barney are still confused. They head back to the sheriff's office and Andy picks up the phone. Uh, we cut to Barney outside the courthouse, wiping down the hood of the squad car and Andy comes barreling out. They need to get to Myers Lake right now. Uh, we see them at the fishing hole looking around. Andy is currently retracing steps. He and Barney talk through it and they get to the part where Goober went to the woods to pee. Uh, this is where he was coming out of the woods at the end of the first scene. Okay. Um, got it. They go into the woods and find the two day old Goober skin suit from the shifter and the first cow. From here, it's a scene of basically retracing the steps through the plot of the movie, finding the different skin suits of where he shed them. So uh, they find an Otis skin suit at, or no, they find an o, they find a Goober skin suit in the woods. So where he came to the fishing holes, Goober mm-hmm. shed that skin, became Otis, went to the first cow. They find the Otis skin suit where he had come back and was now Goober again. Uh, they basically they just kind of find the various ones, and then they find the burned remains of the shifter. So I don't- a lot of skin suits of classic characters. Yeah, I mean, Ca- classic beloved absolutely. characters. Well, I mean, original. if we wanted to do this badly, we would have an actor in like a um, latex, like like Mission Impossible latex mask, but of these beloved characters <laughs> instead of using holograms. Sure. I figured somehow it would be more respectful to their memories to use holograms as I turn them into a, sh- a shape-shifting monster that murders cows. Um, <laughs> so... As we find the remains of the shifter, Andy sort of, I put the phrase galaxy brains. I think Andy slots a number of pieces together in his mind. It's his mind yeah, palace. Basically. It's his mind palace moment. Um, his mind, um, mm-hmm. his mind porch. Mind porch. <laughs> Andy galaxy brains and drags Barney back to the courthouse. Um, so I, this is pretty much the ending. I don't really have, I started to write it and there was no satisfying way that I could put down the way I want this to end, like in a narrative with like an hour and a half to go before recording or so. So I'm, I have the ideas down. So I'm just going to kind of, this is, this is where my notes run out. There you go. TM, TM. Madison can finish now. Uh, um, So, I guess my question, did you have any more or can we discuss? Well, no, I do have more. I know how this ends. I just don't have it like written down. Um, so from okay. here, we kind of get a thing. Andy and Barney come back into the courthouse and we see definitely Jody's there and she's in her sheriff's uniform now. And in the explanation, she kind of runs them through what happened. The shapeshifter basically rolled into Mayberry and realized that like by pretending to be the old guard, they could pretty much fool Andy and Barney because Mayberry is an mm-hmm. I don't mean it's in a bad way, sort of an old boys kind of town of like, oh, that's yeah. old, old Mr. Williams. He always does stuff like that. Like you can kind of explain away eccentricities or again, like Dean said, cattle thieving is a pretty easy way to just steal a cow and eat it uh, to sate the shape-shifting hunger. And people will just chalk it up to the Bass Twins. Like it's very easy to get away with what it needs to in the town. Mm-hmm. And Andy kind of accepts this, I think, but also mentions that like that all started at before, after Jody and Donna came to town. So what were they originally here for? And she says ghosts and Andy kind of thinks on it for a minute. Mm. And he said, he nods and he said, you're here for us. Uh, this is where we reveal Andy and Barney uh, have been ghosts the whole time uh, who haven't been able to pass okay. on. My goal was for Andy. Basically Andy hasn't, can't pass on because he hasn't found somebody who can take care of Mayberry sort of the way it needs to be taken care of. Like there's a lot of episodes of Andy Griffith where Barney's like, we need tear gas and we need riot gear. And Andy's like, no, we don't like, like the episode you referenced with the crime free Mayberry. 
And like that's not mm-hmm. what Mayberry needs. There's an episode where um they have to go arrest Rafe Hollister for moonshining and he has a gun and then he doesn't bring a gun because it's Rafe. Like he's not gonna shoot me. And he basically, as Rafe is shooting at him, walks the length to the front door, walks into the house, takes the shotgun from him and brings him out and arrests him. Like I mean, a feud is a feud. That's how he solved that problem by like guile and outfoxing people. Like the problems of Mayberry aren't something that just like, oh yeah, we just hired a sheriff and they'll fix it. Like Mayberry is its own weird place that needs somebody weird to take care of it. And so he hasn't been able to move on until, because nobody's come along who can do that. Um, my goal is the, the idea is then that um, Jody and Donna are going to take over. Now sheriff is an elected position. So they're going to, until like the election happens, they're just kind of like temporary <laughs> sheriff and deputy of Mayberry. And then they'll run in the election okay. and, and presumably, I mean, for the sake of the narrative, they will be elected. But like in this case, like they're here to fill in until the election and then they'll run um, and they'll take care of Mayberry. As far as the rest of the Mayberians um, are concerned, Andy and Barney are still alive and they're just still sheriffs. I I think they just don't know that they're ghosts. They don't know that. Yeah. Okay. That's, I, I toyed a lot question. with that idea of how do I handle it? Do they know when they're fucking creeped out? I mean, maybe they know when they just don't mm. care. Cause I mean, like yeah. she, in my original idea, she also had newspapers with their obituaries. So like, I think the city, the town has to maybe know and they just don't care because they're good at their jobs. Well, one of them is, and he covers for the other one. So I had the idea. And I think that he, maybe Andy's a little reticent and that's when the Impala pulls up out front and Sam and Dean get out and they bring in the modern day correct age real person Ron Howard playing modern day Opie Taylor. That was Got what it. Dean had been talking about what they were still working on it was they were basically trying to locate Opie to bring him in so that he could kind of like help convince Andy like no you died like years ago and that's why his wife was so angry whenever Andy would call because they thought it was a sick mm-hmm. prank. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Um and so I think this is kind of the final nail on the coffin. I don't have a way, but I definitely think Andy basically kind of tricks Barney into like, oh, great plan, Barn. Staying, you know, keeping ourselves, keeping going until they're like, but now it's time. We can go ahead. We can we can go to rest now. Oh, yeah, that was a great plan. Whatever. Like, I, I don't have that written down, but I think that that's the only way that he can convince Barney Fife to let go of his time here on Earth. My idea for Barney is that once he accepts it, he kind of nods and he takes the bullet out of his pocket because he's not allowed to keep it in his gun because he keeps accidentally shooting it off when it's in the in the gun. And he puts it in the gun and he calls it and he puts it in his holster and that's when he goes. Like if he's going to go to rest, he's going to do it with a gun and or bullet with his bullet in the gun. Um, and he disappears yeah. and they kind of are wondering why Andy's not going. And he says that there's one more thing he wants to do. And we see Andy and modern Opie walking down the path to the fishing hole, just like the theme song. And as they start to get to the fishing hole, that's when Andy just kind of wisps away and is at peace. Oh, that's that's cute. That's a that's a great moment. And we see then um, the Winchesters are there with Jody and they're they're just still kind of like, what the hell is this place? And I, the way I want to end this movie with the last scene is they come back into town and they park the Impala and or they park the squad car. The Impala's there and Dean sees that he got a ticket for parking in front of a fire hydrant. And as they go in, he and Donna are fighting about it. Like, she's not going to take it back. He parked in front of the fire hydrant, which is a very kind of Barney okay. Five move like this. And then yeah. she uh, just goes in. She sits at the desk and she picks up the phone and starts talking. She's like, hey, Carmen, get me the wash, whatever. Like, And then maybe we start the theme music again and we fade to black. After a second, we hear mooing and fade back in on night. The Bass Twins have built a large fire 
Oh, I meant to say, uh, she notices that the cells are empty and that the Bass twins seem to have inherited their father's ability to escape the jail. There's an episode where basically they lock him up and then Barney goes to the diner and Ernest T's there at the diner and they cannot figure out how he keeps getting in and out of the jail cell. (laughs) Okay. So, uh, after a second, we hear mooing and fade back in on night. The Bass twins have built a large fire. Muttering incantations and dancing around the blaze, they invoke the name of Kanaba. We also somehow imply they ended up killing the cattle they stole recently and are putting some of that into the fire as a sacrifice. They beseech Kanaba, and as Virginia throws the golden ring into the fire, we hear the ghostly giggle of Ernest T. Bass echoing through the glade. Yeah. So I had to end there with basically uh, Jody and Donna are going to have to deal with the ghost of Ernest T. Bass now. God. Maybe Um, he'll show up too. I mean, it's season 15. Yeah. I love this. Um, I can I suggest a slight edit because, uh, like, I think we like. I mean, yes, I probably won't listen to you. Okay, cool. Um, Go ahead. It goes into our conversation about like, are they ghosts that are aware that they're ghosts or whatever? Like, and like, what is like Mayberry's understanding of them? Like, could it be that like like Mayberry is a place, but like, and they see them, they think they are still alive, and they are, but everyone else in Mayberry doesn't think they're alive. And like the actual like sheriff's office is like abandoned and it's like an old building that like Mm. got like, um, and so Barney and Andy are just roaming around town as if they're still alive, but they are actually dead. They're just unaware of it. I think for the story that I need to tell in which they are main characters who are actually at the crime scenes and interacting with people, the town either needs to know their ghosts and don't care and like, or just keep electing them to be sheriff and deputy, mm-hmm. or they think they're just somehow still alive by the grace of God because they're interacting with people. Cause I, I thought about this a lot yeah. about whether or not that, cause I thought about something similar of like, Oh, they just know that they're these ghosts. They're not actually the sheriff anymore, but then they're going to run into the real sheriff. So how do I handle that? It is the easiest answer. If either, they are ghosts that don't, or nobody in town knows they're ghosts and think they're still alive, or they know they're ghosts and they don't care and still interact with them. Those are the only two, those are the simplest ways to do it that work. I think the latter one is weird to me, just because it's like, it doesn't seem like something that like people would do. Exactly. So, so I don't have, I, I have not said explicitly in the pitch, so pick the answer that works best for you. I think you. it's the first one. I think it's the former. Absolutely. I'm saying, but this is more for everyone like watching or listening, watching this movie that will be made or listening to this episode. That is one of those things where you get to choose for yourself. Okay. What is canon in that? So like, that's great. I'm going to, I like the idea that nobody knows they're ghosts, Mm -hmm. but I'm not going to tell you that you're wrong. This is very much a sort of pick your own uh, subtext. Yeah. I like it too. And I'm, I'm fine with the pick your own and everything. I think that's great. Um, I, it just to me like it's also like a small town like where not a lot of happens so like maybe people like exactly. didn't notice that like the sh- like that the sheriff died it right? is, you know like it is also a town in which regularly people put shit in the newspaper like hey this marriage is happening and it's not true yeah yeah so it's very much a small town of like i thought i read that you died no i'm fine yeah oh, okay well must be wrong must have been somebody else that i was thinking about or whatever like go ahead. I, and not to dig into this more but does do andy and barney know that they're ghosts or do they think they're alive they think they're alive they fully think they are okay, alive okay. that's the point at the end is they basically have to convince make barney at least andy and then barney realize they're ghosts so that they can move on yeah um and in this case like i said we we play with the idea that i think jody maybe goes on a speech about how he won't like it's clear that andy can't move on until he finds somebody mm-hmm. who can um, that's one reason I didn't give Jody a gun for a while because Andy never carries a gun. Mm-hmm. 
like basically trying to convince him that she's a good re- or re- like person to take over yeah. as sheriff. There is one joke that I forgot to include, and that's when Andy's getting ready to pass on, pass on, or he he re- accepts that he's a ghost and that she's going to take over. He says something about how Mayberry's a good place to raise kids, and she says something about <laughs> he's like you know you can raise your daughters here, and she just says one of them's black, and then he doesn't say anything. Else. Like he doesn't like look ashamed or abashed, but that's just the end of that joke again because there are like no black people in Mayberry. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, so a little commentary there. Uh, yeah. Well, I really like this because um, the fact that they are ghosts, like, I love that because to mm-hmm. me, um, the idea of Mayberry um, in general is such like a thing mm-hmm. of the past. Like, it's like Mayberry mm-hmm. itself is a ghost of like a pastime. It's like just stuff that what watching the return to Mayberry and what made me feel bad for Barney in general was like when they went mm-hmm. into the sheriff station, he's still talking on that old ass phone like <laughs> oh that's still the phone in this yeah too. that's still the phone yeah like it's just like um, this place that is such a relic of the past that like doesn't right. quite and that's why they and and for them moving on like at, like being a ghost within like the, your movie itself like i think that fits really well and that's why also they were hiding their cell phones mm-hmm. from him from the sheriff and barney uh, yeah, my original idea when I thought of doing it, like the whole town was a tulpa, <laughs> like Mayberry I, was a tulpa city, was going to be, I was going to call it Return of Mayberry. Yeah, that uh, that was but, another idea. That's not where I thought I was kind of going, like where mm-hmm. I thought maybe the whole town of Mayberry was a ghost town and like Andy and Barney are like the sheriffs of this this town that like is abandoned, but with all the ghosts like ro- roaming in it. Yeah. Absolutely. That's, I think that's another whole movie, though. Like, yeah, I I like the idea that Mayberry continues, and it's not a ghost town. Like, there are people living there now. It's just the idea with basically. I, I was thinking about it. It was like all everybody's dead except for Ron Howard and Betty Lynn, who's still Malou at this point. She is still going, um, but pretty much everybody else is not, unless they were one of the kids from the show, like a kid from the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I think actually the lady who played Ellie, Andy's first girlfriend, might still be alive as well. So don't at me, but. Um, I thought about that and I thought, well, they're all dead. So we'd have to use holograms anyway. And that would work with like a ghost idea. Mm-hmm. And Jackson was over a friend of the show and Avenger Jackson F1 was over and we were watching something and it clicked. I just, all of a sudden, no, I paused what we were watching and I just went, there's two sheriff characters in supernatural that are awesome. They've, they're ghosts and they have to convince them to move on. Like I, it clicked one day mm-hmm. and Jax was here and we'll again, we can attest that like apropos of nothing. Like I had run them through the idea that I was working on. And then about 30 minutes later, just like gal- my galaxy brain went, no, wait a minute. This all fits. I can work in Jody and Donna. Anyway, the question that remains is, did I do it? You absolutely did it. I loved it. Um, very cohesive. I knew, I, I knew you were going to have a fun one with this one. Like I did. Um, I had, this is the most fun I've had working on it there was a, um, some parts of it that were more of a headache just because i had to work with the fact that the indy griffith show canonically exists as a fiction in the mm-hmm. supernatural universe unless i did like they get sucked into the tv but you know or whatever like how do i handle that i mean they got sucked into scooby-doo in supernatural oh they did yes yeah, so it was the most fun i've had writing something for this i mean avengers was a blast but it was also a lot of detail work that needed to do and this was a little bit cleaner i had to go back like I, I could retroactively go back and see the mystery so it wasn't as difficult. Um, but I got to really deep dive into the Andy Griffith show and find a weird way to just sort of wedge. I was lucky. I was trying to figure out if I had to do angels or what was I mm-hmm. going to do until I realized. I mean, it was Sam and Dean were going to be the ones showing up until I realized 
oh no, they have two sheriff characters and they can take over and that works perfectly. So this was a blast. Yeah. Well, I think you did a great job. Speaking of a blast, Madison, what kind of fun are we going to have next time? All right. I think we got to do at least one of the movies we've been kicking around for a long time. Let me pull up the list here. I know we've been talking about Osmosis Jones. I know Christmas is coming up. I don't know if we're quite there yet with release. Um, so that'll be Cyber Monday, basically. Thanksgiving as well. So we could do something around yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Movies around Thanksgiving. Hold on. Uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is a Thanksgiving movie. So something we've kicked around a lot. And it doesn't have to be thematic, but if we want to do something thematic. Have you ever seen the movie Son-in-Law? It's a po- it's a po- I don't it's a poly Shore. believe so. That is a Thanksgiving movie. Um, oh, I've seen this poster. Yeah. I don't I don't know how much meat is in, in uh, Son-in-Law, but it is a Thanksgiving movie that we could do. I'm cool with that. Um, Free Birds. The Family Stone. But I actually think that's a, I think that's a Christmas movie. That's already a sequel where I would love to do Adam's Family Values. Rocky. Garfield's Thanksgiving. <laughs> Jack and Jill, the Adam Sandler film, is Thanksgiving. I'm not watching that movie. That's fair. Um, um, you I, you can pick. If you have something that's really stuck out to you. I think a Garfield Thanksgiving would be fun. But also, like, if you'd rather do, like, Son-in-Law or something like that, I'm not going to. I'm going to push for Son-in-Law. I'm, I think, I think okay. it's good. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to push for son-in-law. So that's what we're doing next time. So the weasel is coming to the equalizers. As Madison Jones and I get to son-in-law. So for the equalizers. I'm Madison Jones. I'm Mike Knoll. Madison Court. Madison Court. Can I get some butter, please? To be continued. First take your favorite leg, and then you kick it up to your chest. Then you pump your open palms and then you really start breaking a sweat. That's all there is, that's really it. You barely even gotta move your butt. Come on, man, now follow my lead. I will do the two steps. Come on, dance with me.